Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Yes, gracious Father, we proclaim this day and forevermore that salvation and life eternal is only through your Son, Jesus Christ. And no matter what we have done or are going through, no matter how far we have drifted from you, and no matter what our life looks like, when we turn to you, the cross has spoken that we are forgiven. How amazing and great is your love and your mercy that when we come to you, Lord Jesus, in repentance and in grace, our sins are forgiven and the King of kings call us his own, that we are a child of the living God. We are a child of the living God. And gracious Father, we now come before your word. Holy Spirit, come and open up the word to us. Reveal to us the truth of your word. And as we explore what it means to love our neighbour as ourselves, Holy Spirit, encourage and empower us to live out this truth, to bear fruit in accordance with your will for our lives. And we humbly and expectantly ask in the mighty name of Jesus and the church said, Amen. 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 Okay. Good morning, everyone. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at Mount. It is so great to have you. I've been kind of put off centre, so I'm just going to make my way back to the centre. Thank you to all our volunteers. You guys are amazing, amazing. I was warmly and beautifully greeted by the team at the back as well. It's beautiful to see you this morning. Let me give thanks to God for all our volunteers. If it weren't for you guys we wouldn't be here today. So we thank you. Let's put our hand together. Thank you. And today I have the privilege of closing the series, Love Thy Neighbour, with a sermon titled, How Do I Love? Now let's begin by recapping the series, how Craig Palmer began the series by asking the question, what is love? But more importantly, who gets to influence our definition of love, or if we rephrase it, the question, if we rephrase the question, who or what do we allow to influence our definition of love? Is it the world or is it God? Now Dan continued the series by asking the question, why do we love in that the marker of this community of Jesus' followers is and should be the agape love that we have first received from God? And last week, Graham challenged us, is there a non-neighbour? Is there such thing as a non-neighbour that everyone is our neighbour? To the question, who do I love? Now, if you missed any of these messages, then can I encourage you to go online and view these, uh, listen to them and watch them because they are available on our YouTube channel. And so here we are this week. To answer the question, how do I love? But before proceeding, let me have this caveat. This sermon is not going to give you an answer on how to love our neighbour. For if we are called to love those around us, some of them maybe for a few seconds in passing, 
You know, some a little bit longer, a season of our life or their life, and some of us for a lifetime. And knowing that each person that, come, that we come across is wonderfully and fearfully created in the image of God, each with a beautiful story, and the author being God himself, who is still writing the narratives of our ups and downs, our joys of the mountaintop and our struggles in the valley, not in isolation, but weaving together of our narratives into a great tapestry with the grand designer and perfecter being God himself. How then can we find a way, a way to love our neighbour? in this complexity of the tapestry that is being created, which involves all of us. So let's answer this question by the way, in we, the way we approach in loving our neighbour. The heart beyond loving our neighbour rather than the method, the way we do it. Because at the end of the day, Last three weeks, I don't know about you, but what has shown me is that it is only God who can perfectly love. And we need to look to him and learn from him and from the cross in how to love our neighbour. So here's what we're going to do today to tackle the question on how do we love our neighbour. Firstly, we're going to have an extended look, um, an introduction into the book of Galatians to help us understand the context of the passage that we're going to be reading. Secondly, this introduction will help us to understand through an overview of the passage itself. I won't go into detail because it's a very familiar passage, but we'll look at an overview, how it links to the question, how do I love my neighbour? And lastly, let's look at some three foundations that we can lay in on our hearts as we come to love our neighbours. Does that sound good? Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's dive in. So our reading of God's Word is going to be from Galatians chapter 5, but before we do that, let's put it into context. So Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Galatians, which is written to a number of churches in the region of Galatia, where Paul had traveled on one of his missionary journeys, as you can see on the screen. Now you can read the story of Paul and his journeys in Acts chapter 13 and 14. And some of those churches are actually named in the book of Acts. Now, by Paul's time, good news of Jesus had spread to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and there were many non-Jewish Christians. However, some of the Jewish Christians believed that for the Gentiles to truly become part of God's family, they needed to obey the law and practice what is found in the Torah, simply the first five books of the Bible. So some of these Jewish Christians went to the region of Galatia and demanded that all male, non-Jewish Christians be circumcised. What they were doing was they were undermining the good news, the gospel preached by Paul. And now Paul had found out that this was going on, and hence this letter to the churches in Galatia. So in chapters 1 and 2, Paul challenges the Galatian churches with his summary of the gospel message about the crucified Messiah, reminding them, Galatian, reminding them in Galatians 2.16, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. 
So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one, no one will be justified. Now, to be justified is to be declared righteous before God. That one who is justified is in a right relationship with God, that they are forgiven and given a place in God's family, that they are being transformed by God's grace. And Paul reminds the Galatians that no one, that no one can be justified by observing commands of the law, of the Torah, but only through trusting in what God has done and did for them through Jesus and not, not what they can do for themselves. We can't save ourselves. That's what Paul is saying. It's only through Christ. That when we put our trust in Jesus, accept him as Lord and Saviour, what is true of Jesus becomes true for us. As Paul puts it in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is I who no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That our claim as a Christian is that salvation did not come by obeying the law, but trusting and having faith in what Christ did for us. Now, what we have done, what we could possibly do, will never save us. And this enables us to have an amazing understanding that all, everyone, can be included in this beautiful family of God. But at the same time, knowing what Christ did for us, there is an implication on the way we live as a member of this family. So Paul continues in chapters 3 and 4 that it is by faith we are made righteous. He explains that the Torah was given only as a temporary measure to reveal the sinful human nature which was birthed in Genesis chapter 3. And since then, humanity has been in rebellion against God. And the law which is good pronounced all of humanity guilty of this rebellion. But Paul doesn't leave us there, but reminds the Galatians that the Messiah came who truly loved God and neighbor by dying on their behalf, on our behalf. He took the curse of sin and death and the consequences of a humanist rebellion against God unto himself and brought redemption through the cross. And so through Jesus through the promise of spring of Abraham, God's blessings came to all people regardless of their ethnicity, social status, or gender. So Paul, so for Paul, it made no sense that a non-Jewish Christian would be forced to observe the law because this meant what Jesus did on the cross was not enough. Does that make sense? And this is really important for us today. This is really important to us. We need to understand this. But Paul says Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension fulfill God's promise and has dealt with sin. That Jesus paid the penalty of sin and gained the freedom for us. And through this, we have also received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we come to our reading for today.
which comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. And I'm going to encourage you to, if you have your Bibles, to open your Bibles, get on the app. Please, let me take a drink. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I ask you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying of each other. This is God's word for us today. So as we look at this passage, let me introduce you to two books which has been a great resource, a source of great understanding, right, for this message. And I highly recommend that if you can, purchase it, read it. First, Unconditional, The Symphony of Divine Love by Joyce Phillip. And um, this looks at and explores the question, what does it mean when we describe God's love as unconditional, right? Is it unconditional or isn't it? It's a wonderful book. It's not a light reading book, right? You need to spend some time with this book. And the second one is The Plausibility Problem, The Church and the Same-Sex Attraction by Ed Shaw. Now, this one is a personal experience answering the question, is it plausible that a same-sex attracted person be a Christian and be part, a member of the living body of Christ? Both have really took me on an emotional roller coaster ride of conviction, enlightenment, encouragement. But most of all, I've been enriched by the revelation of the heart, the essence of love. Essence of love of God for His children. And I hope that um, as you guys engage in this book, that uh, it will be the same for you and more. Now, Seeds has copies of this book. I've asked them to um, order it. So if you'd like to grab a copy after the service, please do. All right, let's get to the passage. In a nutshell, Paul explains that Jesus' transforming presence through the Spirit is the key to living life in freedom as a community of believers. Let me read that again. Jesus' transforming presence through the Spirit 
is the key to living life in freedom as a community of believers. That we are called to be free. But we are also warned not to use our freedom to indulge, to feed our desires of the flesh, because this will cause division. But rather, we are called to serve one another in love with humility. Why? Because the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, leading up to this point in the book of Galatians, Paul says that the laws of the Torah are good. It's good. But the laws, as good as they are, in and of itself, did not give us the power to obey them. The laws were powerless to enable us to keep the law. But rather, it showed us, it revealed to us the fallenness of human nature, the human beings. But in contrast, the good news is that Jesus fulfilled, did fulfill the laws on our behalf, and now he lives, he dwells in us through the Spirit, making his people into new creations who will fulfill the law by loving others. That our love for our neighbour is not something that we choose to do. It is not a choice, but rather it is our life in Christ. This is who we are called to be. It's not a choice. We are called to love our neighbour because of the one who dwells in us. So Paul goes on to contrast this old and new humanity, the old life in the flesh as opposed to the new life in the spirit. The old being slaves to the law, but the new life free, freedom in Christ. And we are told that this life of the old and the new is always in conflict. As verse 17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Is there a tension within you as a Christian? Is there a tension within you? You know, the, the habits of the old life are listed in verse 19 to 21. And these are the behaviours that dehumanise people. They destroy relationships and the whole communities. It is a pursuing of the self and the gratification of its desires. However, Paul says in verse 24 that Jesus, that Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He's put it to death. And this new life in the Spirit is marked by the fruit of the Spirit as listed in verses 22 to 23. So when we trust in Jesus and live in step with the Spirit, Jesus' life becomes ours and produces this fruit of the Spirit. But this fruit doesn't grow automatically. Paul says in verse 25 that we need to, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We require intentionality. We must learn to prune off the old way of our lives and cultivate new ones. And as we do, we will find ourselves being carried along by the Spirit. And as Jesus reshapes our minds and our hearts, transforming us into people who love God and our neighbours. So to summarise, not going into detail of our text, Paul says this, as we live by the Spirit who dwells in us, the power of the Spirit will empower us to put to death the passions and the desires of the flesh. 
And as we turn to Jesus and pursue Him, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. In our lives, as we are being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus, and the children of God, people full of faith in Jesus, will learn to love God and others in and through the power of the Spirit as we humbly, humbly serve one another in love. So can I suggest three foundations of the heart as we serve one another in love? Firstly, let our love for our neighbour be unconditional. That we do not put conditions in loving our neighbour or no conditions for them to be found by Christ. Let us not be like the Jewish Christians who place the law before Jesus, but let us be neighbours who place God's grace Jesus first, as a foundation of our heart, as we love our neighbour. Let us always be reminded of Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. All of us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If we need to be reminded, let us be reminded of our own salvation, of Christ finding us. Remember, it wasn't me finding Christ. It was Christ who found me. And when I think of the mess that I was in, when Christ found me, the love received and knowing that my sins were forgiven, the moment that amazing grace captured my heart and the freedom that I found, there was no way, there was no way that I could put conditions on the others. There was nothing that I did merited his favour, and hence when God calls me to love my neighbour, should it not be the same as I have received, as you have received, especially to those who do not know Jesus. And there are so many out there. So when we come to love those around us, let us sing of our personal experience of him finding us. In the book of Revelation, a church is reminded, you've forgotten your first love. Let us not forget our first love as we come alongside those who need the love of Jesus, as God calls us to love our neighbour. Let us remember the grace that we received when we came to know the love of Jesus. Let us remember where we were when we came to know the love of Christ. Let us remember where we are at as we continue to experience God's love, his grace, his mercy, his sacrifice for us as he continues to sanctify us. Let us not remind our neighbour who we are called to love, of their sins, but rather let's show them of the forgiveness that is found in crucified Christ. Let us not remind our neighbour who are created in the image of God of their brokenness, but rather let's model the one who was broken for them. 
And let us not remind those who are heavy laden with more burdens of do's and don'ts of the law, but let's remind them of the freedom that is found in Christ because he went to the cross on our behalf. And church, as I was preparing this message, I was really prompted by the Spirit to apologize and seek forgiveness to all of you who might not have experienced love from the church, but rather your experience has been discrimination, ridicule, exclusion, even bullying because of your ethnicity or your social or marital status or your gender or your gender identity or your sexual orientation or even age. Whatever the reason, if it has caused you pain, grief, loneliness, can I offer a sincere apology to all of those who are here in church, but more so those of you who are online? Because you have been hurt by the church, and hence you might not feel that you are welcome in this place, and hence you find yourself in your rooms or online. And can I say I am sorry on behalf of the church and invite you back. Help us, show us, teach us, journey with us in how to love you well, that models how Christ loved us. I'm sorry for the additional burden laid upon you with the expectations like that of the Jewish Christians. I'm so sorry because that what Jesus did on the cross, what we were saying was that wasn't enough for everyone to come before him, to come to know him and to be known by him and to be transformed by the grace and the resurrection of Jesus. And I pray that our gracious Father will bring peace and healing, that you will be able to forgive. All of us have every right to be here in the house of God. And I was sharing what I was going to be speaking with a couple of our youth about a month ago now. As soon as I got this, I was going, mm, I've been set up by Dan. I've been set up by Dan. But you know what? Wendy kindly reminded me. Amazing, amazing. You will never look in the eyes of a person that isn't loved by God. That was from our youth kid to remind me that you will never look in the eyes of a person that isn't loved by God. Church, can we do likewise? Can we take this to heart that everyone is loved by God? I know it is going to be messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be messy. But in the messiness, we are going to experience God so much more. Because the messier it gets, I hope that it will bring us to our knees. Right? And when that happens, God shows up. When we are on our knees, crying out to God, God shows up. And it is such a beautiful place to be when it does. So let's love our neighbour 
by loving down the foundation of the unconditional love in our hearts, first and foremost. And secondly, our second foundation of the heart, as we love our neighbor, must be redeeming. Joyce Phillips says, God's redeeming love takes us from a place of judgment to a place of promise. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To the woman caught in adultery in chapter 8, Jesus asked, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let our word and deed in loving our neighbor direct them to the person of Jesus and not to something or someone else in the world so that they may be redeemed. So may our love for our neighbor always point them to our risen Lord. For the greatest love that anyone can receive, no matter what they're going through, is to be made right with God. Can I say that again? No matter what we are going through, what those who struggling through, what we really need is to be made right with God. Amen. Whether it be my identity in Christ, whether it be just receiving his love, whether it be coming in repentance of the sins, we just need to be made right with God. And that's the best place for all of us. Romans 3, 24 says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are called to love to provide what is needed and not what is desired. What we all need is Jesus in our lives. Whatever we are facing, we need Jesus. And let our love for our neighbor meet that need. Meet that need. Let this be laid down on our hearts as we love our neighbor, that our love for our neighbor should draw them to love Jesus and not us. Let them love Jesus, not us. The love that we pour out is for Christ, not for me. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Glory to the Father. Let our love redeem the lost, the hurting, the struggling, the grieving to Jesus the only one who can truly meet and fulfill their needs. And because fallen humanity can love wrongly, let us continue to ask the question as we love our neighbor, are they being drawn to Jesus or to something else? As we love our neighbor, ask the question, are they being drawn to Jesus more and more each and every day that I come in contact with that person? Or are they being drawn to something else? For our call is to love our neighbor, is, to, is for us to be transformed into his likeness, to bear the fruit, to reveal Christ dwelling in us to those around us. That they will be drawn to the beauty of the crucified Christ because of what they see in us, 
that they are drawn to Jesus and not to us. Lastly, let's lay the foundation of sacrifice in our hearts as we love our neighbour. Let our love for our neighbour be sacrificial. But there is a cost to be costed this sacrificial love. It is paid by the giver of the love. Right? The one who loves pays the price. But let us be reminded that it is not you or I who paid the price. The price has already been paid by Jesus. As Revelation 5, 9 says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open this and open its seal because you were slain with your blood. You purchased for God persons from every tribe, language and people and nation. Jesus paid the price with his blood as his sacrificially laid down his life for all humanity. So as his spirit dwells in us, it is through his spirit that we are empowered to love. And at times we may think we are paying the price to love our neighbour, but it's not. Jesus has already paid the price. He's paid the ultimate price. But why do we feel that we are paying the price? It's because our love for our neighbour is not pointing to Jesus, but to us. When we feel that we are paying for the love, we're not pointing them to Jesus. Our love is not pointing them to Jesus, but to us. See, when we love our neighbour because of Jesus, for Jesus, and pointing to Jesus, it actually costs me nothing because I'm, hurt, I'm doing what I've been created to do. I'm humbly serving and loving my neighbour. But when I begin to love my neighbour for affirmation, for gratitude, for accolade, for appraisal, or sometimes for my worth and my value in that, or even my identity, and when I don't get what I want, it feels like I am paying the price. Because these are the desires of the flesh. Does that make sense? But we are called to be in step with the Spirit. Verse 24-25 of our text says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus has, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Have we crucified the flesh? Are we living by the Spirit of God, bearing His fruit? You know, Paul lists nine attributes of the fruit of the Spirit in our text. There is also a list in Romans which include prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. And there are so many more scattered throughout Scripture. And we know that there is only one fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit, but one fruit of the Spirit. And this fruit is a characteristic of the Spirit himself who dwells in us to produce godliness in our lives, which reflect the character of Jesus himself. That the desires of the flesh has no power over us as we pursue godliness in our lives. And as we pursue godliness, we are transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus as we surrender ourselves, as we keep in step with the Spirit. 
that as we come to love our neighbour, it is not us but the Spirit in us who grants us all that we need to help us not only to love our neighbour but also to put to death the desires of the flesh. That we may come and love our neighbour rightly through Jesus' sacrifice and not through our desires. So as we conclude, let me invite Janelle to come and play for us as we take some time to reflect on what God has said to us this morning. And after a time of reflection, I'll pray and we will sing our final song and close the service. Church, can I encourage you to not only reflect on what was spoken this morning, but the whole series of loving God and loving our neighbour, because they go hand in hand. If we don't love God, there's no way we can love our neighbour. We need to know the grace that we have received, the love that we are receiving. That infilling has to be continual. Our communion with God has to be continuing. And that infilling, Peter Christides loved this, that infilling has to overflow into the people, into the lives who God has brought across our path. That has to happen. If I'm not being filled by God's love, there's no way, no way that I can love my neighbour rightly. So can we reflect on that? Can we spend some time with God? Jesus, to love our neighbour rightly is not a simple task. We ask that you will help us each day that we may be in step with your spirit to draw strength, wisdom, 
and power from your Spirit as we put to death the desires of the flesh as it has been crucified with you on the cross. Grant us the courage and the strength to walk faithfully with you as we love our neighbour as ourselves for your glory and for your kingdom. That we have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer we who live but Christ who lives in us. And the life we live now in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That Christ who dwells in us will empower us to love, to pursue godliness and to pursue holiness as we are transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And as we bear the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives, Lord, be glorified, be magnified, and may many, many people come to you. We humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen. brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.